0: My name is Kim Chill and I get letters about the untold. If you're wondering, yes, I have been nervous all week if we were going to get any more letters from Brendan. Nervous enough that my partner ended up asking me to come a little bit more down after I'd cleaned the apartment three days in a row now. And when I say cleaning, I mean the kind you do for Christmas and spring. Like, true cleaning. All I'm missing now is a maid outfit. And I've been working out about two times a day instead of one. Now to my defense, I need it since my eating disorder kicks in when I'm nervous. And I've been overeating like a madman. So I would say maybe not too nervous. I just got a side eye from my partner saying that. So yeah, my days have been filled with things to occupy my mind. And as I was finishing cleaning the apartment for the fifth day, now doing it while my partner was away for late night works, the lights started to flicker around me. Every light in the apartment started to flicker. It hasn't done things like that since I put up the protection words. Hello? Please no white-eyed people. Please no white-eyed people. I kept saying in my mind before the lights died out. I held my breath and turned around, ready, run for the door. A being, massively, covered in black, wet fur. Thick liquid from an open mouth that was filled with thin, razor-sharp fangs. Hundreds that kept spiraling down towards his throat. Sickly, green pupils faintly reflecting from the dim moonlight that shone in from the windows, staring into me into the depth of my soul as it pained for the weakness I can never dare speak of to others. There it stood on two legs that bent like that of a wolf, though triple-jointed instead of double. It was hunched in front of the living room door. The width was such that I couldn't even see the door, nor the bookshelf next to it. Its breathing, Long and raspy, almost like a metal grinding against bone. I was paralyzed with fear. My heart almost stopped as all of my muscles tensed up. The creature raised his left arm. It was also covered in wet fur. Except, at the end, bony white-skinned fingers that reminded me of humans, though more elongated with four joints. holding a letter with my name on it. For me to reach it, I had to take two steps, and everything in me told me just stand still. A second felt like hours, but in the end, I took the two steps, shakingly, and as soon as I grabbed it, the being smiled as the lights flickered back, and it was gone. Only thing remaining was a puddle of thick ooze on my floor, and I was very, very happy I had just gone to the toilet. After a while, about an hour or two of me being in the corner of my living room in a fetal position with all the lights on, with the floodlight setting to max, I finally got a hold of myself again and managed to try and read the letter. And it read, "Dear Kim Chill." I've been able to listen to your last three podcasts, though I had to do it from a hospital. The first two weeks, I was in a coma. And the last week, I had to go through each and every blood work and scans before being able to discharge. That was about two days ago. I do feel better. Enough to be able to go home. And thank the gods that we can get takeaway and groceries on our doorsteps now. It has been a lifesaver. The new apartment is growing on me more and more, as I have not been able to go out at all. At least, I'm catching up to all my shows and streaming platforms. Why was I in a coma? Spoiler. Hopefully spoiler. I need to process everything that has happened. And if I feel if I can, I will tell you later. Okay? I don't know why the letters came only weekly. Though, we should count ourselves lucky that they did. If not, you wouldn't be able to hear from me until now. It feels like it was all part of the plan. I made three letters and boom, I was in a coma for two weeks. I'm tired. So freaking tired, Kim. I actually had to listen back to your last podcast to try and remember where I left off last time. Because a little brain scramble after a coma is a side effect. Did you know that? But yeah, I had just talked to Ra and saw a god almost die. I hoped. Got my iron upgrade to look cool with the Eye of Ra instead of an iris. Slept at the hotel and I gotta admit the hotel bed was the best I ever had. Food and drinks fit for a god. So when I left for Paris, I was feeling better than I had for days. You truly take the small victories where you can. I arrived at the airport in Paris after midday and managed to get to an Airbnb. I was a bit paranoid after being attacked in a hotel, before my body decided to shake violently and I threw up what else was left of my stomach. The image of Ra's flesh burning, the sound of sizzling skin and sinew just hit my mind again. I had to try and get my breath under control as I now was in what the yoga people called the dog position. I could barely see through the tears streaming down my face, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. (laughs) Why me? The words kept repeating through coughing and tears. I wanted to just toss the book away in a garbage bin and go home. But the image of Ra, those frozen wastelands. I couldn't just leave the world to a fate like that. David had sacrificed so much to be able to let Ra talk to me. Ra himself might be dead now. All for him to just give me the way to end it all. And here you are, pathetic. Get up, Brendan. Get up, clean this mess up, get a shower, and go find the keeper of the Crown Thorn. What would Nathan do? He would get it done. Or die trying. So, not to disappoint characters from TV shows and games, I got up and started to clean up the mess I had just made. It's strange what a shower can do to you. I had a newfound bravery. The fears might not have washed away, but it had calmed down enough during the cold shower, so I got dressed for a more colder weather too. I had a black woolen coat, which helped a lot in French winter weather. And between me and you, Kim, I looked good. Take the small winds where you can, and this coat was a win. Winter in Paris is usually not that cold, I have heard. At least, not freezing. Though, if anyone could tell Paris that, it would be nice. As the weather was cloudy and minus one degree Celsius. It was just below the freezing point. Ra had mentioned the keeper of the crown thorns in St. Ch before he burned up. I needed to figure out what that meant. I needed a new phone. One who wouldn't have my name written all over it. I found a very local electronic shop and bought one of those cheap smartphones. Every coffee shop or mall usually have free Wi-Fi, so I could connect it without having to get a SIM card. And a quick Google search with Thorn Crown and Saint Ch I found it. Saint Chapelle used to house the Crown of Thorns before it got moved to the Treasury of Notre Dame de Paris. Did that mean I had to get to Notre Dame or I did insinuate that it was in the chapel. What should I do? If I made the wrong choice, it might cost me hours. Did I have hours? I decided to flip a coin. Let fate decide. Heads for Notre Dame, tails for St. Chapelle. As I neared St. Chapelle, I couldn't help but notice how awesome the architecture of the old church truly was. Personally, I do find Eastern architecture the best in the world, but the Gothic style was something of a masterstroke, especially now that you have the modern style around it. It pops, it shows the peak of Western style, as I personally believe, and I truly wish we continued in the Gothic style now. Getting into Saint Chapelle costs money, and feeling like I had already spent too much on this adventure, I was truly going broke. I reminded myself I needed to get back home sometime too, and that trip is even more expensive. I couldn't write this off as a job as I had towards Greece. So, I paid my money and got a ticket, and entered the church, and immediately I felt like it was worth every cent. It was nothing more than true beauty inside. The glass murals were breathtaking. And even if it was cloudy outside, the last remaining light was still shining in and showed us the true meaning of what skills and belief could do to mere glass. Holy, I muttered. And for once, it was true in those words. My covered left eye saw even more, as everything in this world has one sort of aura, it shone. Not hurtful, nor blinding. But with magical power, the whole church was filled with pure white light. So when I closed my right eye, all I saw was still the church, but in outlines of white. In a black canvas. Pardon? I heard from behind me. And I got reminded I was blocking the way for other paid people wanting to enter the church. Quickly apologizing, I moved myself out of their way and just stared. Again. Upwards and towards the altar at the end. Eerily, it did remind me of the horror escape room I had been in. Coincidence? It felt like nothing was that anymore. But I couldn't connect the dots. Thinking about connecting the dots, it did suddenly occur to me. How was I supposed to find the keepers here? More so, manage to do anything when there are so many people around. Guessing maybe the altar had some clues, I started to move slowly towards it, when my eyes suddenly saw someone further ahead of me. The aura of the person was magical, of that I was sure. It was those of the watchers, as I saw the two glowing white eyes as well, in the magical spectrum. I hunched over, trying to look like I studied the intrigued artwork near one of the walls next to the person. Before I actually saw who it was, wearing sunglasses had thrown me off, but it was her. Masika was here, and she was speaking into a phone while frustratingly looking around. Are you sure? Have you combed it all? It must be there, because it's not here. I pulled up the collar of my coat, mimicking Sherlock Holmes as I tried to move out of the view, but still be in earshot. No, I have been here for hours, and have found nothing. That made me happy. No, I have not seen Brendan yet, though it was confirmed he left Egypt twelve hours after me. She glanced around the room again, and I tried to look like a true tourist in awe of a glass mural behind me. So I stood with my back against her. If he comes, I will contact him. So, back up most likely. I needed to get that phone away from her, but I was no pickpock artist, and she would be on high alert. I saw something with my left eye as I turned my head to the right. One of the back entrances, most likely for priest and security, I saw a blue aura disappearing. It was truly strange between the grey of normal humans and the sickly white turning yellow from Masika. The blue just seemed out of place. Though Musika, I suddenly saw through the white with a hint of gold aura of this church, was like an abomination, as if the glass and furniture around her tried to shine a bit extra to dim her own aura. Strange. I had to figure that out later, I thought, as I moved towards the door leading to the back. In a green light, red light kind of way, making sure Marissa did not notice my movements at all. I slipped through the door and stood face to face suddenly with something I only saw with my true sight, an outline of a man. No feature on his face, but I could clearly see it was some sort of monk, as the outline did show some sort of robe. It motioned me to follow, and I did, as we entered into one of the back rooms. It was lit with lights and had a very fine furniture mostly that of an older style renaissance as it pointed towards a cupboard. I opened it up and the blue outline pointed towards the upper right. I saw a knob there and pushed it. And as something clicked, a low stone upon stone sound came from the floor as a small staircase suddenly appeared. Yeah, everything in my body says no. But the blue hue of the monk just walked down it. I'm so gonna regret this, I mumbled as I tightened the rims of my backpack and walked downstairs, hearing the stone go back to its original place above me. It went really dark, but even in this place, this secret basement had a radiating aura so I could see most outlines. And as my feet stepped from the staircase and into the room, it lit up with electric lights. The room was about 34 square meters, and what I saw had my jaw almost drop to the floor. Six cupboards made of glass and gold, where four were showing artifacts that were pulsating pure energy power. It can't be, my voice barely whispered. It is, came a voice from the far end of the room. The crown of thorns, the holy sponge, the mandolin, and the rod of Moses. A figure stepped out from a door, dressed in no other way than the old ways of the monks. Brown cloth, rope for a belt, his black hair short, but well kept and styled with wax. A strange combination. Though, between us, there are five different versions of them, scattered out throughout the world. He smiled, and I don't even know which ones are real. He clasped his hand behind his back. My name is Tomas, the current keeper of the artifacts. As he spoke those words, the room suddenly grew a bit colder, as more blue outlines of monks came from the walls. And these are my predecessors. By the look of your face, I can see you can see them. In a manner of speaking, though, if I couldn't, would you just say that and the person would just feel the coldness and stare at you blankly? Thomas laughed. No, they would manifest, but it takes a lot more energy to do so. And if they can conserve, it is better for them. I did not feel threatened by the ghosts, nor Thomas. But something told me that didn't mean it was a dangerous group surrounding me. You don't seem surprised to see me here, Thomas. No, it is foretold that someone of the Book of the Twisted Believers would come and claim the key. Either they would be of the Watchers or someone trying to foil their plans. And the only way for the Watchers to get down here would be to exorcise my predecessors. And it's hard when magic is null and void here. Well, magic of non-believers. Holy grounds usually try to give advantage to their faithful. I lifted up the headband, covering my left eye. If what he said was true... Then did it work at full power? I had tried it on myself, but I just saw myself and nothing more, so I wanted to see how this place would look, with the true sight. As the eye was uncovered, I saw beauty. True beauty that is hard to describe. Thomas stood there, with transparent wings folded over his torso. The radiance of power filled the room as all ghosts now turned into corporeal monks of different heights and features. The same warm, calm light radiating from them as well. The sensation I got was peace and sanctuary. Being near their presence was as close to God I could ever get. And his love was undying. But at the same time, I could feel sternness. This love had dual sides. I wept. I wept because I knew in here I was safe. Safe from everything. And this image of Thomas and his predecessors would forever be burned as brightly and vividly into my mind. Are you okay? Sniffling while nodding, I pulled the headband back down. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. You said magic didn't work here, so I I thought. The tears didn't stop. Seems like my eye does, though. I sniffled a little bit more. Thomas tensed for a moment then. That is strange, as what I saw was not of God. He must have deemed it safe then. Ah, the explanation of the fateful. Sorry, Thomas, but I'm in a hurry, wiping my still wet cheeks, I continued. The key to the chains of the book. I was told I had to speak to you. You could feel the room suddenly shifted to a more serious tone, as if. Everything tensed. You do understand what might happen if you opened it. World ending? Yes, the watchers of the chained sun wants to unchain it, and with it, judgment day might begin. The sun is important in many religions, and many religions has the sun going away as part of the apocalyptic event. Thomas just nodded. Will you unchain it? Or keep it chains wrapped, Mr. Croft. I don't want the world to end, so the latter. And how do you know my name? I was suddenly a bit worried. It was told to me from someone in Rome. That didn't answer anything. But yes, one of my predecessors held the key to the chains of fate on that wretched book. But no longer. It was sealed and sailed away to the new world. A long time ago. That's a big place to search, Thomas. You gotta give me better hints than that. The key to the free, that book, to end or preserve the world a bit longer, is hidden in the fires of freedom. My eyes were fixed on him during the explanation. Until he said that last part. And all he got from me was a stare blank. I've already been there, Thomas. That is what started all this. And it isn't there. All I got was a flash. Then I remembered. Oh. Thomas smiled even more. I wish you luck, Mr. Croft. May God's light help you along the way. And he turned and walked back towards the door. Our lives are in your hands now, then. Thomas spoke before closing the door behind him and all but one ghost remained. It showed me back up the stairs, and I slipped out the back door of the church before moving my way through Paris. Quickly, finding a cafe, I sat down inside and started to book flights to the states again. It was risky, but if the watchers were on my tail, then I had to make plurals. One to Chicago, one to Washington, one to Florida, and one to New York. I saw the last of my savings disappear into plane tickets. You are a hard man to catch, Mr. Croft. A female voice came from the opposite side of my table. Sitting down was Masika. Not hard enough, though, I replied as my heart started to race again. How had she found me? My bag was between my legs. I couldn't afford to lose the book in it now. I must say... I was disappointed when I found out you were just sitting in a cafe drinking coffee and eating, but when in France, am I right? My eyes flickered over the room. It was semi-crowded. Let me guess, got under the table? She just smiled, but I did notice I couldn't see her arms. I could shoot you now, Mr. Croft. Take the book and leave, and I will go free. The watchers are larger than you think, you stupid man! You do not know the power you try to thwart. I gulped. No, seriously, I gulped like they do in the cartoons. I did believe her. Why hasn't she shot me yet, though? You need the key! And we think you have it, or at least know where it is. So, we are going to walk out of here, wait for a nice car, and then you and I shall have a talk in a very, very uncomfortable room. Even if she was wearing shades, I swear I could see those sadistic glimpses behind those darkened glasses. I put my hand on my coffee slowly to take a sip. Banana! I yelled loudly before I tossed the very hot coffee into her face. It was a gamble. As she screamed in shock and tried to lean away from me, I pushed the table towards her at the same time. Momentum carried her to topple over, and without a second glance or thinking, I was running for my life yet again. This time, in Paris. It's getting late, and it's taken me about two days to write this letter, which is a bit longer than usual. I think I can feel my elbow clicking in and out of its joint. It doesn't hurt, but the feeling is very, very unnerving. Funny thing, I wanted to tell you someone called me the other day. They had heard your podcast and offered to help me to make my new place even more safer. I kindly accepted, and they're coming over this week to ward it up, as they said. So, if you're ever wondering if you're making a difference, Kim, you are. You're reaching out to other people that are awoken. I wish you a good week, Kim. And until next time, best regards, Brendan Croft. That is the end of the letter from Brendan. I hope you're feeling better, buddy. It seems like you've been through a lot, even more than what we've gotten to know so far. I'm happy you're still alive, because truth be told, even if we've never spoken or met, I feel like we're having a connection, a friendship. Also, happy you're getting someone to help you secure your place even more. Um, if anyone can help me, that would be nice too, as how I got this letter is seriously making me almost piss myself thinking about it again. It is so cool, Brendan. You got to see ghosts. Those are real. I wish I could see the world as you do, but your words paint the pictures well. And damn, Masika is back. So much is happening. I can't wait to receive your next letter, but get healthy first, okay? Prioritize yourself. And I will leave you all with this. What if there's something moving in the shadows of our home? This has been the ninth episode of Letters About the Untold, written and read by Kim chil Music by Nikolai Hagen. The places and people you hear on this podcast might be real, but the description or personality of the places and people might have been altered. This is fiction. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it and hope you will listen to the next episode. And if you do, press that subscribe button and follow the podcast on social media. And if you can, it would be nice if you could leave a review. Till next time, beware of the flickering lights.